to criminality because love and reality isn't a crime. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Rebecca. How are you doing? Great. Nothing wrong over here. Just things are working properly and I'm feeling really good. Yeah, well, all of that was a total lie, but I appreciated you smiling through it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you watching me through it. The Zoom was up and running and I was having all kinds of technical failures on this end. And Melissa was just so patiently watching. I was watching, playing a round of Best Fiends. I'm good. I have no kids asking me any questions right now. I'll be here all day. And frankly, it's good payback because we've been watching you and (laughs) a little video of you completely at your expense. So it's only fair that you got to watch me struggle. Melissa, you okay? You sore? You good? I'm good. I have a nice um, potato-sized bruise on my rump. I'm not surprised. I don't know why that's the the food source that I decided (laughs) to. (laughs) More like mashed potatoes. No, um, yeah, I had a little fall yesterday, a little spill. Walking out my door to bring the trash out. The best part, though, Rebecca, we have it on Instagram. Please come and enjoy it. It's it's a fun watch. I had my rain boots on, and I feel very adult to own rain boots. Yeah. Like I bought them a week ago because I'm so tired of the rain, and I have to walk the dog. So I'm like, I'm going to get rain boots. And I did, and they absolutely have no traction, and I slid right down the, the driveway, and uh, ring caught it all. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, no, it was definitely the rain boots. Yeah. Yeah, it sure did. And so for anybody, like Melissa said, it is on our Instagram. And I just really want to clarify on the record that you sent that to me and said, hey, Rebecca, like, look at this. I didn't, you know, you didn't tell me you fell. No, I was (laughs) like, I have an idea. I fell and so did Brett Michaels. Let's let's make something of this. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. It really was. And you know how things are funny and you watch them and you're like, it's so funny. But then there's things that are funny and you laugh so hard. This was one of those things. And I don't know what it is about people falling and you feel so bad, but you also cannot help but laugh. But um, it really just made me laugh so many times. So thank you. I'm glad. Uh, Kimberly from A Date with Dateline and Kim from People Are Wild said they woke up this morning and started playing it to start their day. So if I can make one person happy, my potato-sized bruise and I are very happy. (laughs) We wish you a speedy recovery and maybe get better boots or don't wear them. I don't know. We don't want it to happen again. One time was enough for our entertainment. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Very welcome. I did it for the uh, greater good. Yes. Yeah. You took one for the team. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Hey, speaking of team. Whoa. Well. I like it. (laughs) I play sports. No, just joking. (laughs) No, I'm just referring to the, um, the trio behind me. Oh, yeah. Trace Amigas. They are quite the team. I'm trying to bring that big Trace Amigas energy to this episode. Um, yeah. That's not my native energy, I wouldn't say. <laughs> Just the fact that you called it your native energy makes me think this is a brand new thing for you. Yeah. I don't lead with like a tequila driven good time. I'm not a good time. You're not a I good time girl. The- I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm other things, but that I am not. I'm so, here. Um, I'm not a good time girl, but I'll I'll attend. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, I'll drive, I guess. Yeah. If <laughs> I'm you really, always your driver. <laughs> if you really need, need me to. So I see a beautiful kind of watch what happens looking bar behind you. Yeah. But there's something behind your head. What, <laughs> what is it? This is my favorite reveal. It's, it's the beaver guy from the show Sexy Beast, the new reality dating show on Netflix that we didn't ask for. No one asked for. It's Mm -mm. people dating, but they're 
dressed as animals, but it's not furries. It's just people, you or I could go on there and one girl's like a dolphin. I don't know what's happening there, but it's interesting. But I did see, they didn't give us another Love is Blind season, but they're giving us like an update show. Did you see that? No, but I want one. I want yeah. to know all the updates. I think like all of them are going to be on it too. So we get to see oh, Jessica, who is 10 years older and she's 35. Uh, did you know she was 35? Jessica's 35. And all of the other people. I don't even remember. It was a whole year ago, but it should be I good. know the names, the redhead the with the young spicy girl. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious. Oh, I know the one couple who like everybody loves who seem to be doing well, Cameron mm-hmm. and the other person. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I'll, I'll get the refresher. That looks fun. The Beast one, I just don't know. I feel like we're obviously running out of ideas, Netflix. Is, and also when you move your head and do that, for anybody watching, we're going to so be much. posting this. It's like a horror movie. <laughs> it's really, really wild. All right. Well, if you're ready to go, speaking of wild, why don't we jump right into today's crazy episode, which I have to say is a bit of a departure in in more ways than one from certainly any that I've done. And I think for either of us. So are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Orange County, California. It is a place of interest depicted in so many forms of entertainment, Melissa. There was Sunset Beach, which is a late 90s soap opera created by Aaron Smelling, actually. The OC, which debuted in 2003, a scripted teen drama. And that's where I think the whole OC was coined. I don't think people were calling it that, like residents. Yeah. On Arrested Development, anytime they say the OC, Michael always says, don't call it that when they're talking about Orange (laughs) County. He's like, you mean the OC? Don't call it that. (laughs) Exactly. Very wise. Then there was a movie called Orange County starring Colin Hanks. And that actually predated the OC by one year. And who could forget Laguna Beach 2004, Mm. the reality show, which calls itself the real OC. So there's this like vying for OC identity, I guess, happening on all these shows. Um, More recently, we've enjoyed the stunning OC landscape with its beaches and sunsets. I mean, it's obvious why things get filmed there. It is beautiful. for sure. Or so it looks. But we saw it more recently in the Netflix show Dead to Me. Did you watch that? Oh, I love Dead to Me. So good. That's like probably a top five for me of the last whenever that came out, 2019, 2020. Mm -hmm. I think there were two seasons so far. So good. And I know another one's coming. So that was in the OC. And perhaps you enjoy picking tile with Christina Hack on her new show, Christina on the Coast, which is a spinoff from her previous home improvement Orange County show with ex-husband Tarek Musa called Flip or Flop. I don't know. Did you watch either of those? I'd rather flop. Um, I'm just not a big fan of either... Them? Personality? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Personality. Same, same. Let's, let's go with personality. I, I love a good flip show. I right. love HGTV, but those, I mean, truly, it was like watching paint dry. Yeah. That was a pass for me. And of course, true crime had to get in on the action. Forget reality or scripted, true crime shows up in Oxygen's 2020 show called Murder in the OC. And there's just a new podcast this year from AudioCheck called OC Swingers which tells the story, the true story, of Dr. Grant Robichaux and his girlfriend and their alleged crimes drugging and raping women. And if that sounds familiar, it's because he was on Bravo's 2014 show, one season, of course, Online Dating Rituals of the American Male. What? I know. know. That was not a show. 
it was in fact a show. He was on it. And now of course he's like at the center of this true crime scandal. It's like these reality shows are the new vehicle to become the center of a true crime story. Right. So crazy to watch it happening time and again. But while Laguna Beach says that they are the real OC, I would argue that everything produced before 2006 was just paving the way for Bravo to launch the franchise that none of us knew we needed. The reason, essentially, why we're here today, Melissa. Yeah. The Real Housewives, which was the original title. But they did change it and make it more specific and called it Real Housewives, of course, of Orange County. For its premiere, Bravo searched for its stars within the gates of Cota de Casa. Fun fact, do you know what that translates to? I don't. Mm -mm. Hunting preserve, which (laughs) totally works. (laughs) Yeah, that that works. Bunch of cougars running around. The show creators wanted to portray the lives of prominent women and their families in one of America's wealthiest planned communities, which I didn't know that that's what it was. I didn't know it was known as so prestigious across the country, but it is. So, Melissa, I don't know if you remember, but offline, unrelated to the podcast, we were talking and you called Orange County and this franchise the gateway drug to all the Bravo shows. And I thought that was such a great way to put it. So what do you what do you think of when you think of the Real Housewives of Orange County? Oh, when I think of Real Housewives of Orange County, I think of my happy place, the original episodes, the original seasons. I just had no idea people live this way and it brought this whole concept of remember like the lifestyles of the rich and famous that show and it was very just you know bougie or whatever but this was like hot mess people with money which is all I really want to see like (laughs) money cannot buy you class as Luann de la Sepp says the countess but they can buy you a really nice house but it doesn't change the fact that you will throw a wine glass at somebody at a dinner party. You're still yeah. going to do it. And that beautiful house that we as viewers come to know and love may or may not be it's taken away. Theirs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a mystery on top of an entertainment <laughs> show. No, I, I agree. And, you know, the antics in that show, it, it definitely set a tone, obviously, right. and paved the way for all these other franchises. Uh, it did have two spinoffs. I'm sure you can recall that there was Tamara's OC Wedding. Yes. Which was just a few episodes, one season featuring her wedding. Uh, but there was also Date My Ex, Joe and Slade. Oh, which saw I, that. Tell us all about it. Like, I mean, I don't really remember much about it. I listened to Joe on a podcast recently. Well, her podcast with her and her new fiance and how they started dating in COVID, it made me very uncomfortable. But I listened to like over an hour of it. Might have been a YouTube thing. I don't know. I remember I was walking. So I'm, I don't think I was watching their faces. But it was a lot. But she was very entertaining. I was I was okay. into her as a – I mean, I don't – Podcaster? Yeah. Again, not a personality. But just right. something about her just – I enjoyed hearing about. Well, it kept you there for an hour, so I would well, say so. Well, that says a lot about me as a person. It doesn't say no. anything about her as... You're just taking another one for the team in a different way. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Research. you. Research. It's like you knew we were going to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. As far as the Real Housewives of Orange County, or just the Real Housewives in general, I mean, this has come up on this show before. For all of their crimes and legal troubles, you would think it was a true crime show, but it's not, right? But here's just a small roundup that is by no means complete of Orange County-specific crimes and legal shenanigans. Slade Smiley was arrested for failure to pay child support in 2009. Gina was arrested for her DUI in 2019, and that's to say nothing about 
her struggle on whether or not to press charges against her ex-husband, Matt, which was a really tough storyline. Yeah. Kelly Dodd was arrested for domestic violence against her then-husband, Michael, in 2014. Lynn Curtin's daughter, we're going way back. Alexa has had numerous run-ins with the law. Alexa had a warrant issued following a number of arrests, mostly drug-related DUIs, keying her boyfriend's car, some of which are happening very recently. Do you remember when Lynn, sorry, Lynn Curtin's in her cuffs, do you remember whenever they served them eviction papers on Real Housewives of Orange County? Remember she used to create those cuffs? Like oh, she wanted cuffs, to sell bracelets. Those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Sorry. I thought you said she was handcuffed for that. Oh, I'm like, wait, I might have been. I don't know. It I wasn't a great job. Was. <laughs> Fashion police. Yes. Yes, I do remember the cuffs. That is so early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I think she was actually a little bit late on the cuffs, to be She was a little bit late honest. for everything, including <laughs> yeah. paying her house, which is why she got evicted. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be included in the lineup. Probably most seriously was Lori Peterson from seasons one through four, her son Josh Waring and his addiction issues and struggles, just really, really, truly heartbreaking situation who who served time for attempted murder. He actually just last year took a plea deal and is out of jail and is sober at this time. Good. And his mom, Lori, has custody. I think she's adopted his daughter. So that's a happy ending as much as you could hope for in that situation. But on criminality, we don't only want to cover reality stars who break the law or get into legal troubles. I mean, we do a lot of the time. But sometimes they're the victims. And sometimes we're going to focus on that kind of situation. And today I would like to do that with one such Orange County housewife. And before I start, just a content warning that this story does deal with allegations of child abuse, cult activity. If these things might be sensitive or triggering for you, please listen with care. So this housewife that I'm speaking of is a pretty polarizing figure. She only got one season, and it was a COVID season at that. So I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do because it was just last year. But the Real Housewives of Orange County was the first group back to air after COVID. So they were really in the height of it. I mean, people were dropping like flies during production and the airing of the show. And of course, now I am speaking about Elizabeth Vargas. She burst onto the scene with her beachfront home, her messy divorce proceedings, a seemingly platonic boyfriend, and a story (laughs) about growing up in a cult, which I have never seen on The Housewives before. And I was very focused on Mary Cosby over in Salt Lake, waiting for that to kind of unfold when, boom, Elizabeth kind of took that whole thing and, and ran with her story. I know most people come to the housewives for the fun and the parties and the glamour and the houses, and they don't like when the storylines get dark and when the conversations get heavy. I am a bit of an outlier in that I love it. Oh, really? (laughs) I do. I feel like it's this kind of interesting moment of, oh, they like stars. They're just like us, like reality TV people. They're just like us. They actually have really hard, big, real life things and traumas and things they've had to work through or haven't. And it shows up on the show, usually the case. So I actually responded not positively like this is great to her story, but I was like, wow, good for her for sharing. That's really got to be hard and it will get to it. But it looked really difficult for her to talk about. Do you feel this way? About like not at all being like fun and tequila? 
It depends. I can I don't want a whole season of it, I'll say that, but like I I like knowing more about their backgrounds and stuff because it, you know, it's human nature. It's what make what makes people tick and like you're saying they're just like us, you know, with millions of dollars in their bank account, but yeah, but a lot of their backgrounds are the same. So I like it. I just don't want it to be the whole focus. I don't want to do that the whole season. That gets Agreed. exhausting. We don't want it to be a drama and not everyone can have a storyline like that happening at the same time. It right. has to kind of be one person sort of going through something, which is also why that season was hard because Bronwyn was going through her thing. Yeah. But it really kind of blew my mind when she disclosed all of this information to Bronwyn that she was raised in a cult and suffered tremendous abuse at the hands of men within that cult and that it was her telling people she knew, including family members, what was going on that led to the FBI shutting down the group. That was like, yeah, whoa, right? Off the show, she said this church was called Faith Bible Tabernacle. And that is when I knew I needed to know more because, Melissa, you know this about me. I don't know if our listeners do, but I I love a cult. You you do. (laughs) Do you feel like you're attracted to cults in the sense that like you worry that you could join one or that you- Probably a little. Yeah, yeah, me too. Or is it- just fascinating that other people can can come into them. It's both. It's both. I've been very candid in this Nexium conversation that at the right time or the wrong time in my life, if I'd gotten an invitation to some kind of like self-improvement business entrepreneur meeting that was just, you know, right. Nexium in disguise, I would have said yes. So I'm very honest about that. I think cult I think people who get drawn to cults are actually at their heart, and this is going to sound like <laughs> I'm actually saying something great about myself. Let's but I hear your compliment about yourself. Yeah, here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should just say I am. No, <laughs> I think kidding. they're seekers and they're like looking to be better and right. to help others. And I, I think it's sort of like the way some people are fascinated by serial killers, which I am absolutely not at yeah. all. That's how I feel about cults. Like, how does this happen? Because right. I understand the inclination, but the the signing over everything the way they can end, which can be, you know, deadly, like that I don't understand. So how does it escalate? Endlessly fascinating to me. So when she brought that to the show, I was like, tell me more. But before we get into all that, because that's the really good stuff, let's just talk a little bit about Elizabeth as we meet her on this 15th season of The Real Housewives of Orange County. When she enters the group, we learn she's in the middle of this complicated divorce that took three, more than three years to finalize. And she told everybody numerous times, I cannot talk about this divorce. And then all she talked about was this divorce. (laughs) And it was very complicated and hard for the other women because they didn't really, how do you show up for someone and how do you respond when she obviously can't answer questions, but she brings it up a lot. Right. Her ex-husband is burnt. Burnt. You know, I'm probably saying it's probably more like burnt. Oh, Bodal. He's a Norwegian businessman. So however you would say that. In Norwegian, Bernt, like, I don't know. I like that. That I mean, that yeah. part I kind of like, but I put a Georgia accent on that, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I said burnt. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe he feels burnt after the divorce. I don't know. Maybe. He is the former CEO of American Seafoods and reportedly boasts a net worth of $200 million. And you and I both know, like, the more money, the longer the divorce, the more complicated, unless you're Erica and you didn't have a prenup and there was embezzlement. That aside, (laughs) this is pretty par for the course. They separated in 2017 after 17 years together. So this was not, you know, a short-lived gold-digging situation. They were in a long-term relationship. Their divorce was finally finalized in July of 2020. 
Elizabeth herself is a businesswoman. Now, I think she was able to be because of the security her marriage provided her. And I think she says as much. But she was the founder and president of Edge Music, which she founded in 2010, which is a music video platform that rewards you for watching your favorite music videos. That sounds familiar. Or there's something else that's like that where I there is briefly a podcast thing where if you listen to podcasts, you would get paid. And it went under very, very quickly. But it was <laughs> here. And then I saw a lot of people tweeting about it. And then it was gone. So I've well, heard of something like that. Interesting. This is called The Edge. I went to their website and this is the message on there now. So I'm thinking maybe that business model was proven not a good idea. And that's why what you saw happened, because now it says, thank you for your patience while we pivot from a music streaming surface to music news. So the domain lives. (laughs) It's going to come back in a new iteration, according to the website, as music news. So that's it. And she does bring up knowing artists, right? That comes up in the show. Like she knows this person and that person. Although one time she tried to get one of them on the phone Mm -hmm. and they, that that didn't work. And that was, that that was, those are the moments that we truly, truly do live for and are needed when other moments talk about cults. Yeah. Jeez. So Elizabeth was born in 1971. Her mom was German and her dad was Mexican, which explains her last name of Vargas. And honestly, when the first press release came out that Elizabeth Vargas was joining the cast of The Real Housewives of O.C., did you not think it was a journalist? A hundred percent. I thought it was a lady from America's Most Wanted. Well, now she's on America's Most well, now Wanted. Now she's on America's Most Wanted, mm-hmm. but what was she on before? It's like 2020. Not, 2020, probably. And she, I, I just was like, wow, I did not see that coming. And she was married to the guy that sang Walking in Memphis. What is that guy's name? I don't know. But I don't know. Anyway, famous singer, one really big song. He had other songs, but they were married for a very long time and got divorced pretty recently. Interesting. I can get you to the Kardashians if you need to from there. Just let me know. <laughs> it's all just one big six degrees of yep. Kim Kardashian game we play here every week. And her words, she grew up very, very poor. And in high school, she worked three jobs and she was a hustler. I mean, she had to survive and we will learn more about that and what she came from, meaning her lineage, a little bit later. So her first season, as I mentioned, was just last year and it was during COVID. And I feel like that's a really tough time to be introduced to a cast. Nothing was normal. None of the trips were in place. They were so limited And they had to self-produce. I mean, it was just a lot working against her. And I think the way she messaged what was going on with her life didn't land well with the women all the time. But she came on as a friend of Kelly's because she lived on the beach and they had friends in common and they like partied on the beach. They barbecued and kind of were part of that OC lifestyle, which I think really was true. I do think they, they kind of ran in the same circle. So she came off, in my opinion, as loud, but fun and kind of kooky. And she seemed to flaunt her wealth, but also be really down to earth. So I think that was also one of the reasons why her fellow castmates and also why viewers didn't know what to do with her because she wasn't like an Erica Jane, like it's expensive to be me or Dorit head to toe and all the designer labels. But she talked a lot about how much money her ex had and how much money she has as a result in her possessions. But she was also clearly this Midwestern rooted, like family oriented person, which I appreciate the many sides of people. Yeah. Well, she gives me Gina vibes in that way where it was like not really coming from a ton of money. So you could take it or leave it. Like you could bring her camping and she wouldn't lose her mind like some of the girls would. Yeah. She's not turning her nose up at stuff at all. She's not a Heather Dubrow. 
who was coming back. Yes. And I also wondered if some of her talking about her material items came from a weird insecurity around it as well. So, right. So all of that is going on in the middle of this awkward season. And I just think it was hard. Yeah. So that was sort of the running theme. But then everything comes to a head at Lake Arrowhead when all the women, except for Shannon, who was homesick, take this trip. And while hiking, Elizabeth and Bronwyn have a conversation. Let's take a listen to that actual brief conversation. I mean, I'm going to tell you this, but like, I'm not ready to tell many people this. I won't say anything if you don't want me to to anyone. I was raised in a very, very religious um, situation where I was told to absolutely not open my mouth or tell the truth about what was happening. And I, and I have a very, very hard issue with stopping the compartmentalization because I grew up in this horrible situation. That's why I don't let people get to know me. I throw big parties. No one really knows me because I, I know. can't I've sit to, there. I've been to one of those parties and none of those people are your friends. No, and I don't want to live that way anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. I know. You're done. Well, and my mom did everything she could to get get her kids out of that situation. And she did. That's why I love her to death. And I don't want to tell her about my pain because... And I could tell my mom anything, but I can't talk about that because she freezes and she just goes into this complete blank. She like she's in PTSD from what happened. And so she got her kids out of there. That's all that mattered. We're safe. And I've not told anybody about that. That's a so lot. I don't know who to get help from to. to, to and I get nervous. I stutter. There's some, no, there's, to, there's to someone that can help you with deal this. with all that. I mean, I don't know who, but there's someone. There's got to be. But I don't want to be one of those people where they check you into a psych ward. I've been checked into a psych ward. It helped me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's no shame in that. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what you need, though. In all honesty, but I don't know what I need. That's... There's no shame in needing help. I need. I do need help, and I, I don't know how to get it. But I can't, you know, I'm not going to tell all the girls that. No. Oh, by the way, no. I was in a religious f-ing cult growing up that told me to shut my f-ing mouth or I'd be thrown no. under a bridge. I mean, you can tell whoever you want. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I grew up in complete fear, anxiety, anguish. It was very, very hard for me. I was always scared for my life because we were beaten so bad that I thought for sure I was going to die one day of it. I really can't talk about this. This is like bothering me like a lot. Because I've never talked about it and I just don't want to talk about it. I'm you want to keep walking? You keep just, walking? Yeah, I'm not ready. All right, for let's this. keep walking. I'm literally not ready to talk Come about on. this. Put your glasses on. I let's can't. And I... We'll walk. Okay, so if we hear what Elizabeth is saying, she calls it a very religious situation when she first brings it up. But by the end, she says in this joking, offhand way, I was in a cult, and if I said anything about it, I was going to get thrown under a bridge. And she's, like, laughing and crying. So the beginning of the story started, I was in this religious situation. By the end, she was speaking, I think, a lot more freely and candidly. Because Bronwyn was right there with her. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Just tell me. You'll be free of it. It's okay. And then Bronwyn's like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Because it's like, did I just hear what you said? Right. And also what's really interesting in that clip is this stutter she starts to use. And she says, "I sorry, I get a stutter when I'm nervous. So I think this was really difficult for her to talk about. And she even says there, this is the first time she's sharing this. So she's sharing it with this one woman and a crew. And then yeah. all of America and a lot of the world are going to hear it. And I think the 
reality of that sink in. And she, she literally has a panic attack is what we watch yeah. happen. And I have to say, I was really glad she was with Bronwyn of everybody to deal with that. I, I think what you want about her and her storyline, right. I felt like she showed up in a very organic, helpful way. She told yeah. her to sit down and to breathe. And she said, you're having a panic attack. I just felt like she was a calming presence when a lot of other women in that situation, those women could have really like ratcheted up to like right. 11. And Can it was you already imagine though, like Ramona, I mean, that's in New oh York, my gosh. but a Ramona situation or, oh no, better yet, Luann. Remember when Luann was sitting with Jules and Jules is saying her dad's in the hospital and she's talking about something just totally I, I just cannot imagine. It doesn't even land in her ears. No. It's like she has no ability to catch and absorb. I will say she's grown in that. I think we're seeing a little more of her ability this season, but even so, it's underdeveloped. It's like yeah. not not at like the level you would need a friend in this situation. Right. Also, side note, I've interviewed a cult survivor on my other podcast, and he has a a complete stutter that has never left him and he oh, says wow. it developed while in the cult I think there's a very strong mind-body connection when you're suppressing things yeah and sadly for him I mean he spent decades in this as an adult mm-hmm. and that was the Heaven's Gate cult sidebar what what is your podcast called Rebecca no oh you can hear that it? whole conversation on dialogue a true crime conversation um and his name was Frank and he was part of the Heaven's Gate cult and escaped just a year before their mass Whoa. suicide yeah okay so We see this moment, and this is the moment that I remembered when I chose this episode. I said, okay, that's the story. I've got the name of it. I know she was raised in Missouri. I'll find it, and I'll tell the story of this cult. Well, Melissa, I think you and I are both pretty good researchers and, you know, citizen detectives, if you will, because we're in the true crime podcast game. Like, this is not our first rodeo. I know how to Google. I know how to go beyond Google. I could find nothing nothing. So I text you in a panic because I've already said I'm doing this episode. Yeah. That is the only negative thing about us saying our clues at the end. We are married to those and you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And well, I was thinking, well, how could we splice in me? You know, I was going through all kinds of mental gymnastics. Like, how can I get out of this? And I realized I couldn't. So I was telling you, I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. I don't have the information. And you were like, why don't you just message Elizabeth Vargas? And I'll tell you, Melissa, it had crossed my mind and it wouldn't be the first time I emailed <laughs> a primary subject of my story. <laughs> I I actually messaged Chris Souls, um, no reply. There's no even seen mark on it. I'm sure it's filtered and trapped a million times. So Chris never got back to me, but I said, you know what? You're right. I should just go right to the source. So I messaged Elizabeth and I don't know if it's to my surprise or not, but she totally got back to me, was very lovely, and sent me some links to articles that completely got me started on my research. And I was even able to find more once I found hers because they kind of led me to this great archive of articles. So special thanks to Elizabeth Vargas for taking the time to respond. And I told her, I said, I'm covering your story, but the cult element of it. And yeah, I kind of laid it all out there because I didn't want to be shady about it. Yeah, I just, of course. I, you know? Yeah. So thank you to Elizabeth. She's the reason why I can tell you the rest of this story. So as I said, I thought this story would begin in Missouri, which is why I included it as one of the clues. Sorry about that. But to tell this story, we actually have to head west, not quite to Orange County, but to Arizona. That's where Elizabeth's grandparents, Harold and Dorothy Bell, were from. Harold started a cult that predates the Faith Bible Tabernacle called Phoenix Light Temple, a religious group started in 1967, 
there is nothing published. Well, not nothing. I found the three things that are published about this group. I actually spoke to my guy. I have a, I have a cult guy. His name is Rick Allen Ross. <laughs> he wrote a book. I'll post it. Actually, I did post it in the stories called Cults Inside Out. He was also on my other podcast and he literally, honest to God, wrote the book on cults. So if it's not in his book, it's Doesn't a very exist. small cult. It, it might exist. So I emailed him. I said, what, do, what about these cults? And he said, I've never heard of them. They're probably what he calls an obscure fringe family cult. And he said, read my chapter on obscure fringe <laughs> family cults. <laughs> so I did. And so some small cults really are just family members of a single or blended family led by one all-powerful leader, usually the patriarch of the family, though sometimes the matriarch. And within these groups, there's actually a syndrome that develops that psychologists call the DDD syndrome. Stands for debility, dependency, and dread. Years later, a psychologist would add another D for deceit to this. And so basically, the members within it talk about the effects of it. They're in a highly controlled environment. And to quote Rick Allen Ross's book, it says, Those held within a family cult environment are expected to express dutiful submission and commitment to parental authority. The role of authority when assumed by a parent can be particularly deceptive and debilitating to children. So this isn't just like parental discipline. It's super restrictive, controlling what you wear, what you eat, where you go. And usually you're not going to real school or outside jobs. You're working and going to school within this family unit. And that is what Elizabeth describes to Bronwyn in that clip. They controlled everything. So in 1976 in Phoenix, Arizona, Dorothy Bell's father. So Dorothy Bell, remember, is Elizabeth's grandmother. Okay. Her father, Otis Harrell, this is crazy. This is, so this is the first documented crime of this cult. So this would be Elizabeth's great-grandfather, Otis Harrell, died at age 75, presumably from natural causes. But there's just one problem, Melissa, because that would be a simple end to the story, right? They believed through prayer and keeping his body near him that they could bring him back from the dead. So they didn't bury him. They didn't even remove him from their living space. They just kept him there and they proceeded to drag him around from room to room, place to place, house to house, eventually bringing him to a tool shed in the backyard of a home that three members of this group bought in Payson, Arizona. So this traveling happened between different towns and cities within Arizona. So in one of the messages from Elizabeth herself, she says, I was there when they dragged the dead body around. So this is happening in 1976. She would have been five years old. And, you know, we all have memories of being five. There are few. That one would have staying power. So that is one of her early memories. And now remember, this would be her great-grandfather. How long was this going on that they were dragging him? Oh, this would be between three and six months. Law enforcement believe six months. Yeah, I'm getting there. Look, there are more questions than answers than these three articles provide. Smells. Decay. I don't know how they managed and the articles don't go into that. Thankfully, we probably don't want to get too, you know, into the the details on that, but we can use our imaginations. His body was finally discovered when police raided the home after obtaining a search warrant when former member of Phoenix Light Temple James Colabianchi told authorities about Otis Harrell's death and how the group would drag him around from place to place. Police searched the house and eventually found him in the tool shed And they estimate, as you asked, that he would have been dead 
between three and six months. Another article I read said for sure six months. It's too many months, like three or six. It's, it's too many. Once they determined he had died of natural causes, members of the group, including Elizabeth Vargas's grandmother, Dorothy May Bell and her husband, Harold, they were charged with. So, okay, this is a good question. What do you think they'd be charged with? Like, what is the crime? Isn't there something about moving a dead body from town to town? I feel like that's where this law would have been created. Close. It's concealment of a dead body. And I would add the charge of transporting it around. It does seem extra disrespectful. I feel like Um, we could name that law after this guy. I don't, I can't imagine he would want that. That's terrible. I cannot figure this out because a dead body, first of all, weighs so much. So you're having to literally drag it places. Who wants to be in charge of that? Who gets the hands? Who gets the feet? I don't know where I'd want to be on that, but no place is a good place. Absolutely not. Thankfully, James left this group and and said something because he was really disturbed by what he was seeing because who knows how long this would have gone on. Okay, so they were charged with concealment of a dead body, which is just a misdemeanor, by the way. Sure. The lead investigator under Sheriff Captain Ronnie McDaniel, how old school is that whole title name? asked to describe the group by a reporter, said, quote, they are the weirdest people I've ever come across. <laughs> so I'm sure in the 70s, being a sheriff in Arizona, you've seen some things. Right. Right? So the weirdest people he's ever seen. There was a trial, and James was one of the two witnesses who testified against the group. The defense lawyers say, you know, you were a witness to his death, and of all the moving around of his body, you could be found guilty of the same charges And you're not immune to prosecution. If you keep testifying, you're making yourself vulnerable to that. So he confers with the prosecutor and he thinks about it. And he decides to testify without immunity anyway, because he's so freaked out. But why wouldn't the prosecution give him immunity? They wouldn't have this case at all. That just seems like stupid all the way around. There is not a ton more of information. I so wish I could find out more about that conversation. Did they, maybe this wasn't... I don't know. I don't know why he was given the advice to just go ahead and put him out there unprotected without that protection that any one of us would know to ask for. I don't know why. So this quote was in response to being asked by the investigators, did the group say why they were dragging him around and wouldn't bury him? Because I think that's really the million dollar question, Right. right? And he responds, according to the Arizona Republic, this they said, this is what we've been waiting for. Now we can prove the power of our beliefs. Whoa. Doesn't this feel very uh, Scientology? What's that guy's name? L. Ron, L. Ron Howard? L. Ron oh, Howard. Hubbard. <laughs> Hubbard. <laughs> Not Opie from uh, yeah, Andy you're Griffith. Thinking of, yes. Yeah, um, L. Hubbard. Ron Hubbard. Did, wasn't there something with his body that they did something or they've hidden it or frozen it? There's something in, in that that the idea is that he can be alive forever. I don't know enough about Scientology, but it's something with his body. I'm not surprised. And Scientology is something I actually know very little about for all my cult knowledge. So I will trust you on this. We can fact check it later. So before the trial, James told a reporter that he left the group because Mrs. Bell, also known as Elizabeth Vargas's grandmother, just trying to like cement that. Yeah, yeah, no, that helps. He was quoted as saying to the reporter, she was involved in witchcraft with Manson like teachings that frightened me. And that left me yeah feeling things feeling some kind of way because yeah this is like a decade after the manson era and that's freaky right I mean, really like it, the manson 
situation, for lack of a better word, really revealed what is possible when people listen yeah. to a demented leader. Mm-hmm. So he was getting Manson vibes. He escaped, went to Iowa, by the way, to call the authorities when he was like a safe distance. <laughs> oh, away. wow. That is quite a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep he was going till I see corn. He was legitimately afraid. He went in doubt, run for the corn. That's what Chris <laughs> Souls always says. The worst part is I can't find the outcome of this trial. Literally, the two quotes I gave you are from the two newspaper articles I have. Uh, but I did read that the defense attorney during the trial said the statute is antiquated. It has never been tried in the court of Arizona, this um, concealment of a dead body. It's right. just archaic. It's stupid. Why are we even having a trial? So I kind of am assuming it was dismissed or right. reduced down to a lower charge or something like that because Dorothy May and Harold took their cult on the road this time to Texas County, Missouri. So I can stand by the Missouri clue because they do yes. end up in Missouri. And that is where Elizabeth Vargas was raised most of her life. It's unclear to me if they fully rebranded the group or if they merged with a pre-existing similar fringy family cult. But they now became known as the full gospel Christians who were part of the faith Bible tabernacle. So Phoenix Light Temple, they left that in Phoenix, in Arizona, and now they have this new operation. And I can't confirm from the things I read, but I am assuming that this is the group Elizabeth refers to as being responsible for her abuse and the group that was shut down once she divulged the story to a friend and her mom. But I can't substantiate any of that, so I just want to say that for the record. Right. And it isn't that I don't believe her, because I do. Right. This stuff is just really hard to find and verify. Yeah. I even went on to the Department of Justice website as my friend. So I have a cult guy. I have an FBI guy. So my FBI guy is a gal and her name is Jerry Williams. She's a retired FBI agent with her own amazing podcast that people should check out if they're interested in FBI stories. It's retired case file review with Jerry Williams. So I emailed her and she sent me some links of places to look, but it's hard. If you don't know who they took down, was it a person or an organization? Right. You don't have the right search terms. You can't even find so all that to say is I take Elizabeth at her word, absolutely, yeah. as her uh, as her story, but I couldn't I couldn't find sources. So this this next part of the story is what happens in Missouri in 1978. And this is the only other documented crime that I could find about her family's cult. In 1978, kidnapping charges, so th- things are getting more serious were filed against Dorothy Bell and this time David Vargas, who would be Elizabeth's father. So Dorothy's son, Elizabeth's father, along with several other church members. They were charged with kidnapping for holding a 17-year-old boy, also named James, interestingly, James Collins, hostage. Whoa. Yeah. This story is reported in a 1978 article in the Houston Herald and told by Sheriff Andy Lee Johnson, another total character, who handled the case. So the story goes, James was visiting his sister in West Plains, Missouri, but there were lots of people in the house. She had lots of house guests. They didn't have room for him to sleep over. So she told him to go find a place to stay. So he left the house looking for a place to stay, and he was taken in by the full gospel Christians, who at this time had a massive 300-acre commune. And they made James stay. So they didn't invite him to stay. They handcuffed him into the barn. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. James was able to break one of the links in the handcuffs, and he fled to a neighbor where he told them the story, and the neighbor called the police. 
But before the police could arrive to the safe house, the cult members found James, dragged him back to the property. Yes. The sheriff found him there. Thankfully, the sheriff got to the neighbor's house. They pointed him to the commune. Sheriff finds him there and took him into protective custody. James is okay, just so we know. James was able to name six of the cult members, and all of them were arrested, two including Dorothy May Bell and her son, David Vargas. So this is Elizabeth's father and grandmother. According to the sheriff, the cult owned an additional 500 acres elsewhere, and they used that property to pay for the bonds for all six arrested cult members. The investigation then revealed that the group lived in one house and several trailers spread out on the property and that many had come from Arizona previously, which ding, 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 that sounds right, according to my research. They supported themselves through farming, selling items door to door. The group was only comprised of between 12 and 20 members, and that included men, women, and children. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, that's not big. And... Elizabeth Vargas was one of those children. I mean, right. it's just totally wild. And this isn't that long ago. Elizabeth Vargas is in her mid-40s. She's talking about her childhood. That is yeah. just a little bit older than me, right? This sounds, I don't know. I'm just picturing some like weird late 1800s thing right. in my no, brain. No, I get and it. I get it. It's not. It's like children they of the corn. phones. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so while I could not verify and make good on my FBI clue, which apologies, everybody, The information just wasn't there. I was able at least to find her family members' names and figure out the story. So when Elizabeth tells the story of where she came from, this is just one part of it. This is the documented part. I'm sure there's a lot of other bizarre stories and memories and traumas for her. But um, it's just a wild story that I couldn't not investigate because once I heard it, I just had to know more. And this is just about everything I could find. And I do want to just once again say a special thanks to my yeah. my cult guy, Rick Allen Ross, my FBI agent friend, Jerry Williams, and to the Reddit user who led me to one source that had an additional article. That Reddit user is Lopsided Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a good name. I like it. Oh, that's yeah. like Bethany Frankel's new pizza. That's oh, is completely. it Bethany Frankel? Lopsided yes. Pizza. That picture. Yes is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not appetizing. No. She is a New Yorker. She should know better than to call (laughs) that pizza on the internet. To be specific, she is a lopsided pizza 4206. Oh, thank you. Um, Really couldn't have done it without those sources. And the additional sources that I used about OC and Elizabeth, of course, are in the show notes as well. But I just wanted to give them a special thanks and a special thanks to Elizabeth for messaging me back. That was super cool. Yeah. And I'm really personally sorry she didn't get a second season. I think she deserves one. For sure. I think she bared her soul. And, you know, her vodka is out now, and I am sure she wants to serve it at parties, and I think it's unfair that she can't. So (laughs) I really think she deserves a second season, and I'm nervous for the OC changes, kind of excited for Heather being back. Mm. What do you think? I'm not a big Heather DeBro fan. I'm not either. I just said that because people are excited. I I know. (laughs) But I feel like we do this on everybody, right? Like when somebody comes back, you're excited because you kind of know them and you know they'll mix it up, but really, eh. But I have seen, I think Danny Pellegrino, who we both love, I think he uh, tweeted something about he can't wait for Heather to go into Gina's house. And that is (laughs) true. Nothing's wrong with Gina's house, but Heather, we know, has this humongous, you know, mansion. It's just polar opposites on that. And she will be like Shannon and not know how to respond. And so you will do this very not believable 
phony polite act. Oh, I just yeah. had to rewatch the season. So I saw the scene where Shannon goes through her little town home. Yeah. Oh, cute. Nice. Yeah. Cute. It's so demeaning. Yeah. And it's gross. Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting clash potentially. Yeah. But yeah, I feel kind of bad. My heart goes out to Elizabeth. I think that was just a really tough season to start with. Terrible. The COVID season. I mean, and that was just nobody really even wanted to watch the OC because right. we already lost people and then now everybody's wearing masks and now we're having to relive the thing we're living in. And It was too uh-uh. soon. I was. was not ready to watch it. I'm ready now. I'm okay mm-hmm. now watching Housewives in New York be there. But even New York's a little triggering, to be honest, because finally New York is feeling normal again. Right. So it was just too soon, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, I heard for part of my research, I was just trying to see where Elizabeth has been interviewed. And she was on a podcast I should call out that is called Behind the Velvet Ropes. Oh, yeah, I know that one. And she did a long interview there. And she had no intention of divulging that story. Wow. And she and Bronwyn were not on good terms during production and after. So everything I said about my perception as a viewer of Bronwyn showing up for her is not how Elizabeth feels at all. I, I, mm. I, you know, you can hear her words on that interview. It's behind the velvet ropes. Um, but it was really interesting. Just the moment kind of happened and she really regretted it. She didn't really oh, want that to be part of her storyline. And I can imagine that happening. I would totally tell a family secret on camera. Right. That is so a move I would do and just be like, hey, can I reel that in somehow? Yeah. And you can't. Like, there's no going back from that. Mm-mm. So I just feel for her and uh, I wish her tremendous success. And yeah, that that's the story of Elizabeth Vargas and her cult member family. Interesting. I have one question about the uh, kidnapping. Sure. Was it just yeah. one night that they he got there? He was held <gasps> up or? Great question. It sounds like it from the article. They, I feel like they would give a timeline if it was over a long period of time. Right. But I don't know for sure. I just know he was he. It, yeah, it sounds like it was the night he was looking for a place. Right. Maybe it was overnight. Maybe he escaped in the night. I don't know. Okay. I only ask yeah. because for them to come back and go look for him just seems so cuckoo bananas to me. You'd think you'd be like, well, maybe he won't remember our faces. <laughs> and Honestly, just let it go. it's so brazen. Yeah. And I think they were looking for, and this is all speculation on my right. part, just based on what little I know about cults, like probably, you know, young, impressionable, vulnerable person to to indoctrinate. Right. So a 17-year-old kid with no place to sleep is a great place to start. Thankfully, totally. this kid had his wits about him and was like, hey, red flags here. Yeah. Oh, man. As our, as our girls on My Favorite Murder say, you know, you're in a cult, call your dad. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway. That's the story. And that was a lot of podcast shout outs. Love um, all these other podcasts. I'm so happy that that story is now out in the universe. And I would love to hear what you're watching these days. Okay, Rebecca, first of all, I would like to request a 15 second Better Off Ted redemption because I did not sell that show very well. And I would like just a moment to redeem myself. Please. Better Off Ted was on TBS. It follows a guy named Ted. He breaks the fourth wall a lot. He talks to you as the audience member, so you see what's going on. It takes place at Viridian Dynamics. Viridian Dynamics is known to do experiments on their own employees. There are these scientists named Lim, and I can't remember the other guy's name, and they're so funny, but they, like, at one point freeze one of the scientists for an experiment, and then he just has, like, a 
tick where he screams just randomly and they're trying to act like it's not a big deal. Anyway, I just needed to get out there that Better Off Ted is really fun and I did not do it a very good service last week. So please accept my formal apologies to all the Better Off Ted fans. Well, wow. First of all, just bravo. And I mean that in the traditional non-network sense. bravo, bravo, F bravo. Like exactly. <laughs> Richards. I felt like you were on some time-limited game show where you had to like give your final plea before a decision was made. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Self-imposed. It was very fun and enjoyable. And that was a great sell. I totally really will try this show because a lot of people chimed in on social media and said they also love it. So, Oh, cool. So it wasn't just my recommendation. Now other people have to recommend it. And then... Yeah, I need to crowdsource to my TV watching ideas. I want to, verification from our listeners. To be I'm just fair, kidding. No, to be fair, after that description, I would not have watched it. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca, here is what I'm watching. Okay. I'm watching. Okay. My three clues are Lonely Island, Netflix, and Sketch Show. Oh, shoot. So it's not too hot to handle. No, it's not. I <sighs> That show, it's too much My daughter's me. watching it, and it's, I don't know that. It's, I mean, she's it's a lot. an adult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it um, is. It's a, it's a different one for me. Give me a second. I just want to try guessing a sketch show. That's what fine. Sketch Season shows two just started. So Lonely it should be Island, on the top of your stuff. Netflix. I'm picturing that bar. I don't know. Ugh, everyone's going to make fun of me again. No, nobody's going. Nobody's watching this. I will go ahead and put money on this. What um, is it? I'm thinking of ending. Th- no, no, no. I'm thinking of ending things is that. Did you see that Charlie Kaufman show, the no. movie? Oh my gosh, no. don't watch that. If anybody's seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things, please tell Rebecca. Sounds it's... dark. Sounds like I'd like it. <laughs> Rebecca, it is the no. most infuriating. It, it makes no sense. Okay. Um, okay, it's I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. He uh, was on SNL for one season. It's a sketch show. Um, uh, the it's kind fun. Of, yeah, it's very fun, but it's produced by Lonely Island guys. So... Oh, you've got to think that it's a little it's silly and there's lots Wait, of poop jokes. Is that Andy Samberg? No. Yeah. Andy Samberg is in okay. uh, Lonely okay. Island. Yep. Yes. Um, okay. So it's those guys. So I it's love got. Him. OK, so it's a lot of that humor. So some of it is like way too far in one direction. But OK. The stuff that is just like dead on. There is um a scene where it's, this is literally my biggest fear where they're in a court case. And they're at a trial and the lady has to read off text messages. And so she's reading this person's text messages. It's about this, you know, whatever's going on, but really like having to read them all out in court. And it's this story that's going on about this one idiot guy in the office. And it's just made me cry. I was laughing so hard because it's, it's like, did you see what that idiot did? Blah, blah, blah. But all the back and forth that is all a nightmare. the way down. The total nightmare, right? It's, it's just like the idea of having your text messages read out loud. But to be the guy who it happened to, like, who had to sit there and hear what they were saying about him. Oh, Rebecca, it's Oh, just, I'm, I'm sold. The only thing worse, or I guess it's the same, is when have you ever sent the text message about someone to the to wrong the person? Yes. Oh, oh God. my gosh. There is no fear like that one dread no. your stomach the sweat it's the worst um, it is. so 
I will totally watch that. I'm such an Andy Samberg fan. Okay, but but you have to just, I really have to have the caveat that there's lots of poop talk on it. There's very silly things like that. And some of it is just so ridiculous. Yeah, I don't love that, but I can can see. You kind of have to work through. So it'll be like four or five sketches. They're only like 20 minutes a piece. I love um, that. Lots of screaming. The guy screams a lot, but it's very funny. It's all these like little things in one episode for no reason. He's like, you know, doing this one thing, but then he'll yell like, hold the door. And it'll be, I'm talking a hundred yards away and somebody's standing there and he's just slowly walking, but he right, does it. Right, right. It's just so good. So it's good. It's just a fun watch. I need a fun watch. Okay. Um, that's, I'm in a fun watch place. I'm actually like really true crime to out. Yeah. Which I thought I'd never say, um, with the exception of one show that we've talked about Right. Off air. Oh my gosh, that yeah. was so good. Relentless. Everybody should watch that. Yes. But that sounds really fun. Yeah. Thank so you. Good season one. Season two is less uh, poop talk. The first season was a lot. So and, you can even start with it. doesn't matter. Right. It's sketch. So they're not building on each other, are no, they? No, sometimes Just characters. Like in, into, yeah. Sometimes like this. I feel like the first season had things that kind of went through, you know, a, like a running line. And the second season might either too, but not like enough where you'd need to watch the first one. It's, it's yeah. really... I don't know. I didn't expect to talk about it this much, but I have like totally loved it. That's exciting. Yay. I'm adding it to the list for sure. Well, let's stay in the Netflix space. Perfect. Shocker. It's HBO or Netflix, Netflix I guess. Yeah. Okay. Mindy Kaling. Yes. LA Suburbs. Coming of age. It's okay. It's a list kind of thing. It's... um. Take your time because I know you know. I know you know. Yeah. It's a game, like yeah. a game you might play. Yeah. Not truth or dare. Dang it. I know what it is. It's got the word I in it. I know that. First word. First word. Never. Never have I ever. You yes. Got it. I love it's... that show. Wait, you've watched it? Mm-hmm. I've watched the first season. I don't know if there's a second season. The second season comes out Thursday of this week. Oh, I'm excited. In podcast world yesterday. Yeah. Um, I just discovered it. I guess it was out last year or even mm-hmm. the year before. I am charmed out of my mind by the I actress. Know. So yes, Mindy Kaling, I should say, produces it. I don't know if she wrote it. She's not in it. I'm but I sure. kind of knew you would know what she's up to when I mm-hmm. said Mindy Kaling. It's the perfect antidote to Elite, which I've gotten into some great combos mm-hmm. on Instagram with our listeners. Because, man, I have to even say, at the end of season four, I felt I don't know if shame is the right word. <laughs> I I went into a space like they they overdid it. They leaned too far into the like it being a sexy show. Right. That it was like bordering on like I should be paying for this on a this channel like we don't actually have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like soft porn. Yeah. I'm allowed to say that is basically what it was. And so I was feeling kind of bad that I'd suggested it. It is very good. I right. just think it, it got a little too much. So I was sick last week and discovered Never Have I Ever. And it's just, I mean, delightful. Like Totally. Coming of age, got the teen drama. And I just love those. I've just decided I'm, I'm just not ashamed of it. I, I love. So you are. I love a kid on the verge of like right. teenagedom into a young adult. I and, and so she's this sassy. The protagonist is this like precocious, funny, awkward girl who's, whose dad died in a middle of her orchestra concert. Yeah. That's like the premise. So the whole school, so she's known as the girl whose dad drops dead at right. the orchestra concert. And then she gets paralyzed. Like the grief takes over in such a way that for no reason other than she's in 
morning. I forgot about that part. Yeah. She can't walk for three months. So she becomes the girl who comes back to school in a wheelchair because her dad died in the middle of the orchestra. So you know how like everybody has an identity in high right. school attached to some unfortunate thing. Like those are hers. So now she can walk and she doesn't want to deal with her dad's death. And so she's just trying to like focus on her friends and getting a boyfriend and getting right. into a great college. And her and her mom have this, you know, combative relationship. And it's just, it's fantastic. It's totally so good. And um, obviously, and she has a great therapist. I love the relationship with her therapist. Mm. It's a great show. So yeah, if you like teen dramas and felt like Elite was just a little too (laughs) not suitable for work or households with kids or like, I don't know, just maybe try Never Have I Ever. Yeah. I tried Elite, but I tried it. I didn't realize it was being dubbed. Like, I didn't even notice oh, it was dubbing being dubbed. Dubbing is the worst. But then, because I would still read the closed captions because of course. that's just, I need to do that. And so even the closed captions were a little off on it. So I was, like, struggling to figure out what was going on. It just did not grab my attention enough. And I, I knew that's you'd okay. be in that headspace to be like, I need to binge this for however many hours. And I just wasn't for whatever reason yeah and as I told one listener who was like can I watch this while I do my laundry it's like no not just because of the subtitles but yes because of the subtitles and also it's just not that kind of mindless background show right so you've got to like be invested and again it's not for everybody and so the way you wanted to redeem your review of better off Ted I wanted Mm -hmm. to qualify my review of elite by saying not for everybody yeah yeah. also don't judge me for liking (laughs) no I wouldn't at all because we all have our own little things that you get into that you don't even plan to get into too. It's it's just fun. We just, just are who fun. we are, and I yeah. love cults and dark, racy, sexy stuff. Yes, <laughs> which you can tell just by looking. I mean, I knew it the first time I met you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Rebecca, I am so excited for the next episode. I finalized my clues. I finalized my episode. I was going in a different direction, and then I said, <gasps> "No, pivot, pivot." I am very excited about this, and there's Tell even me. alliteration to my clues. You ready? Oh, my gosh. Okay. okay. All right, Rebecca, if you know it, say it, or you can tell me. Ready? Brazil. Big brother. Okay. Butterfly. Wow. Mm. I do like those clues. Yeah. I can already see the posts I'm going to make. Continental okay. Brazil. Butterflies. Big brother. Big brother. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And that's I not mean, even where I'm pulling this from exactly it just was like a you mean, secondary you mean thing the show I cannot you're tell not you. pulling from, I cannot okay. tell you yeah no I, I definitely don't know but I am so intrigued I am pumped I even watched an episode of something for it today to make sure it was like what I wanted to do and I am well like, that's a good thing to do I should have done that before I started well, my yeah research. I just didn't want to watch another episode of elite so I was like what else is there <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding um wow color me intrigued Mm. and cannot wait me either butterflies in brazil i mean i know i'm not saying it's elite but it sounds sexy yeah (laughs) that show is set in spain we'll see we'll see (laughs) okay all right well cannot wait thank you so much for listening today and melissa great to see you great to see you too hey follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're having so much fun over there. We Definitely are a criminality Instagram. show. You're killing it on Instagram. I love, uh, there's so much engagement on um, Instagram. Twitter is, I'm getting ignored. Well, that's why right. I'm saying follow us on Twitter True. because Melissa is the wittiest, best tweeter. Like Instagram is kind of my, what did I say earlier? Native something You're stupid. native. Yeah, I don't know. Energy. But yeah, that's you. Yeah. 
I've got a native, like I speak Instagram, you speak Twitter. So follow Melissa so you don't miss out on her, her sharp wit and her retweets of chime ins and <laughs> love after lockup people dressed as pickles when they meet their new love. I'm there for it. So definitely follow us and can't wait for your next episode. I'm so excited. Thanks, Melissa. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to Criminality. If you're enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give the show a rating and review. The reality is it would be a crime to keep your thoughts to yourself. And come join the fun outside of the podcast and follow us on social media. We are at Criminality Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Memes are welcome. We'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, you can catch my co-host Melissa on her weekly show, Moms and Murder. And Rebecca Sebastian on her podcast, Dialogue, a true crime conversation. Don't forget, loving reality isn't a crime.